news, information, and talk for the Fox Valley. The big one, AM 1280 WBIG, Aurora, Naperville. God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining us today. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people, and he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and he's seated at God's right hand. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see a tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father that you see today your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day -day circumstances of life. God's love for you knows no bounds. We have a very exciting program today. We'll hear some wonderful music. We'll read some of God's Word together. And in the second half hour, our guest is a minister and pastor of God's people. He is also a successful businessman. His name is Steve Carter. Today, Steve and I will be discussing the sovereignty of God. It's a segment you won't want to miss. Let's start off with this song by John Cano, In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' name, everything will change. In Jesus' name, everything will change. No one will be left out 
this morning we'd look at the topic the name of Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the most powerful name on earth and in heaven it's a name not to be taken lightly it's the name that God has given us his children to be able to use in our day-to-day circumstances in life for it is the name of Jesus Christ that is above all names in Philippians chapter 2 is where we'll start and if you have your Bible handy you could turn to verse 8 Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, And being found in fashion as a man, speaking of Jesus Christ, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. God gave Jesus Christ a name that's above every name. Verse 10, That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His name is above every name. The name of Jesus Christ is above the name of cancer. His name is above the name of depression. The name of Jesus is above the name of Ebola. The name of Jesus is above the name of allergies. The name of Jesus is above the name of any ailment or sickness. His name is above the name of death. His name is above calamities and storms. It says here in God's word that his name is above all names. Have you ever noticed when you're out and about the reaction of people when the name of Jesus Christ is spoken in public? Some may shout, Hallelujah! Others bow their head in reverence. Some act as if they didn't hear it, and they slowly move away. Some may scowl. The name of Jesus will always cause a reaction from the hearer, sometimes positive, sometimes negative. Why? Why is that? Well, there's a spiritual battle in this world. It's hidden to most. The weapons in the battle are words. It's the word of God versus the words of the adversary, the devil. No matter what the skirmish in life God's word will always triumph. Of all the words available, the most effective and mighty are found in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the first century church, and we'll start in the book of Acts chapter 4. We're going to read several records here in the book of Acts. And in chapter 4, verse 10 through 12, at this time, this was when the man who had been lame was healed by Peter, And in verse 10 it says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel 
that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. It says it's by the name of Jesus Christ that the man was healed. Verse 11, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is that name whereby men and women must be saved. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Buddha can't save anybody. Krishna can't save anybody. Muhammad can't save anybody. All the Hindu gods together can't save anybody. Money and good works can't buy salvation. Salvation is only found in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in that name that a man, a woman, or a child can go from being dead in trespasses and sins to being eternally saved, marked out to spend all eternity with the one true God. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and 39, and this is on the day of Pentecost, uh, shortly after the twelve apostles received the gift of Holy Spirit in the temple. And Peter said unto the people present, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God is calling you. Jesus Christ gave his life for you so that you could receive the gift of Holy Spirit. Let's read a couple more records. In Acts chapter 4, we'll hop back over there and verse 17 through 20. And this was uh, Peter and John uh, were being accused by the leaders in the church. And in verse 17, it says, But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, let us, the leaders, threaten Peter and John, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name, the name of Jesus Christ. What, what a reaction that name causes. What a great benefit for those who believe in that name. What great consequences for those that don't. Continuing on in, in verse 18, it says, And they called them, the council called Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, and they said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, more than unto God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's really remarkable. They didn't cave in to the pressure of the leaders in the world. They said, no, we're going to speak what God has called us to speak. After being released by the authorities, here in Acts chapter 4, the apostles went back to the believers and they prayed. Look at what they prayed, verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. What got them into trouble was speaking God's word, speaking the name of Jesus Christ and operating the power and the authority that's found in that name. And they asked for more boldness to be able to continue to speak that name. Verse 30, By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Well, let's hop over a chapter to Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles were thrown into prison for once again speaking about the name of Jesus. Let's read it in chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Insomuch that they, the people in the area, brought forth the sick into the streets, they laid them on beds and couches, that at the very least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Nobody missed the healing. Every one of them were healed. And when they had brought them, meaning the apostles, they, they set them before the council, and the high priests asked, saying, Did we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. That is the only appropriate response. We ought to obey God rather than men. And look, it was the name of Jesus Christ that so upset those that were in opposition to the one true God. It's that name of Jesus Christ that sets men and women free. In verse 27, well, we read 27, let's hop over to verse 41. In verse 41, And they departed from the presence of the council. The apostles departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Daily in the temple, they ceased not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. It's that name of Jesus Christ. That's the name that will cause men to have to make a decision. They will either believe in the salvation and wholeness that's found in that name, or it'll be a name that's despised and rejected. Each must make the decision for themselves. Each receives the benefits or the consequences of that decision. In Acts chapter 8, let's start in verse 5, a tremendous record here. And this was shortly after Stephen had been stoned and there was great persecution in Jerusalem and the saints were scattered abroad. And in verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. That's what he preached. He preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And verse 8, there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. That's just so remarkable. It's just so wonderful. It's the name of Jesus Christ that removes the affliction of the devil. It's the name of Jesus Christ that heals people. The adversary cannot stand in the presence of that name when it's spoken on believing lips. Uh, verse 12 in that same chapter. 
But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. What did they believe in Samaria that Philip preached? They believed the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts 26, we have the record of Paul recounting to King Agrippa his conversion on the road to Damascus. Let's take a look at that record. There's some remarkable truth found here. And we'll start in verse 8. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the high priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutes. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which you have seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Here's his purpose, continued in verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by believing in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. The Apostle Paul received his purpose from Jesus Christ. His purpose was to preach the gospel. That gospel would open people's eyes. That gospel would turn people from darkness to light. It would turn them from the power of Satan unto God. They would receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those which are set apart by believing in Jesus Christ. Well, today, you and I, we are the ones to speak that which we have both seen and heard. You know, there is a dying world out there that is lost with no direction and no leadership. We have the privilege today to speak the words of life, which bring light and deliverance to people. The word of God spoken will open their eyes. It will turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. God's word spoken on your lips will lead people to receive forgiveness of sins and an eternal inheritance to be received in all of its greatness at the return of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What a tremendous truth that is. In order for us to be able to minister effectively, to be able to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ and to operate in all the power and authority that's available to us in the name of Jesus Christ, we must let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And that word form just means that he was in an, in an external appearance given to him by God because God placed seed within Mary who then bore Jesus Christ. And it says there, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That word equal means to agree with God. We know we can read in the Gospels where Jesus Christ said he always did the Father's will. He only did that which the Father showed him. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out or demonstrate your own wholeness with respect and obedience. For it is God who works within you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. The all things that we're to do without murmurings and disputings are the things which God works within us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 15, That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. The name of Jesus Christ is the most powerful name I know. It is in his name that the sick are healed. It's in his name that the dead are raised to life. The sorrowful are made joyful. It's in his name that we receive eternal life. Let's hold forth the word of life today in this most crooked and perverse world. The light of God's word will dispel the darkness. The fleeting reward for the approval of men today pales in comparison to the eternal rewards in store for those obedient to God's calling. Shine as light in this world, holding forth the word of life. Preach Jesus Christ everywhere you go. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus for my part in this i Jesus
guest today is a minister, pastor, teacher of God's Word, and a successful businessman. He has presented the Purpose of the Ages seminar in many churches throughout the country. For the past two years, he's been a member in the Values Driven Leadership PhD program at Benedictine University. I'd like to welcome Steve Carter to today's program. Steve, thanks for joining us today. And thanks, Greg, for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm excited about this topic. It's a uh, could be a controversial topic. Um, there's a lot of different viewpoints on it, and we're going to talk a little bit about the sovereignty of God, and I know you've studied God's Word and worked God's Word in this area. My first question is, when people speak of the sovereignty of God, they so often imply that God is in control of everything, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad. Is God in control of everything that happens in the world? You know, Greg, this is a, it's an interesting topic. I think it's also a challenging one for uh, Christians to understand and to 
to be able to live their life in accordance with this. Most of us have been raised to be of the mind that God is in control of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, <clears throat> you know, for years as a minister, uh, you know, back in a previous part of my life when I would counsel people and bad things would happen, many of them were under the impression that God somehow had complicity in it, and they were supposed to just kind of accept by faith that he had a purpose for the calamity that had occurred in their lives. Many people have been taught that God sends sickness or he sends calamity or uh, difficult circumstances in order to test our faith and to try our faith and to see if we can withstand, you know, those negative circumstances. And in a a way, and there's verses in the Bible about how a father chastens his son and Mm -hmm. things like that. So those are invoked and and brought into view as, you know, see, God chastens us, and so he wants to prove our faithfulness and to help us kind of grow in faith. Uh, so it's it's not to say there's not some logic behind this. Mm-hmm. You have to always go back to the scriptures, and you have to look at what does God declare about himself? And does he declare that he is in control of everything and that he is the one who authors sickness and calamity? Is that his declaration? And in First John, uh, it says in the in, in I think the first chapter, it says that you know he is light and in him is no darkness at all. So if there is no darkness at all in him, we now have a boundary as to what God's nature is. Mm. His, his the boundary of his nature does not extend to darkness. You know, so if you're going to attribute dark things, and we would all say that sickness and death and calamity is a form of darkness, not light, mm-hmm. um, then you have to, you, you're actually going to have to wrestle with a contradiction in the word itself where he declares of himself, there is no darkness in me at all. So you, you can kind of see where there's some, mm-hmm. uh, there's truth there that I think is fairly simple and evident, but there are many philosophies, religious philosophies that seem to you know, somehow holds sway over people. And I would suggest it just because they haven't yet to come to know the true nature of God Mm -hmm. as declared by Jesus Christ. I think to sort of tying into that then, is there anything that God can't do? Well, in in accordance to that verse, he can't be darkness, right? Um, And as soon as you say God can't do something, it tends to be a little bit jarring to people. Well, God can do anything. He can do anything. Well, if God says that I am not a man that I should lie, can he lie? No. If he says there is no darkness in me, can he be dark? If he could, then he contradicts his own word, and we really don't have much to talk about on this show today. But if if he is honest and true, which he is, and if he is, uh, is if he declares himself to be something and he never departs from that declaration, then we can take with full assurance the truth that there is no darkness in God. Now, I think you also asked me about, you use the word control, you know, because mm-hmm. does God control everything? And so uh, some people will admit, well, okay, there's no darkness in God, but if he wanted to step in, he could at any time. He he could step into a situation and stop the darkness. And the, the reality is, well, yes, he he absolutely can step in. You just read many records of people being healed by Peter and the apostles. And you also alluded to other, you know, records in in the Gospels where Jesus Christ healed people. So mm-hmm. that's clearly God intervening, stepping in, 
and overcoming a negative situation, right? Mm-hmm. So does he have that, that ability to do that? He certainly does. But in each of those records you read, uh, Jesus Christ did, you know, he walked with uh, the full assurance of the Father is in me to willing to do my good pleasure. That's mm-hmm. now our joy to have the same thing. The apostles spoke and declared in Christ's name and invoked the power of God that way. So there is a there's a condition that has to be met for God to intervene. Um, yeah, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And if that condition isn't met, then he he not only does he not intervene, he really cannot. And that mm-hmm. is the big question. Why is that? Why is the world set up today in such a way that he he cannot intervene unless somebody invokes the name of Jesus Christ and by faith accepts God's intervention at that point? Mm-hmm. And sort of tying into what you're saying too so many people will say well if it be God's will mm-hmm. well we can know the will of the father by looking at the word and the life of Jesus Christ right well and you know let's talk about control and authority and and really sovereignty because uh, the a lot of the theology is kind of comes under the heading the sovereignty of God right mm-hmm. and sovereignty really denotes power and authority you know we use it as a sovereign nation or a sovereign king that there's an, there's an authority vested in that king, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so that king has sovereignty. And it's a legal authority, right? I mean, if you were to go against it, you would be uh, opposing what has been cast as the law of the land, so to speak, right? So the question I would have is, so who has sovereignty over the world right now and the kingdoms of the world? And and it's if you look in... In Luke chapter 4, when the devil was tempting Jesus Christ, it says he showed him in an instant, in a moment, all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said, you know, that if you bow down and worship me, I will give you this. Mm-hmm. Because, and he said, it is, it's, he basically said, to whomsoever I want to, I can give it because it's mine to give. And he made a big point in Luke 4 that he owns the authority over these things. Right. So this is still true today. And so then it begs another question. Well, from whence came that authority? And if you ask a lot of Christians, you know, who gave the devil authority over the world? He's, he's called the God of this world in the Bible. Well, who gave him that authority? Mm-hmm. Many will say, well, God gave it to him. But the, records in, the record in Scripture is that another had that authority over the kingdoms, over everything in the world. You know, all the fowls in the air and the fishes in the sea and, and everything that creeps on the earth. And, and who was that? Adam. Adam. Yeah. And that was what God had given to Adam. And he gave him a mission to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. And so he, he gave him the ability to subdue the earth. He gave him authority over all the earth. But then when Adam decided that he did not need God... He, at the same time of rejecting his relationship with God, he accepted a relationship with the devil, and the devil ended up subverting that authority and taking it uh, as his own, and so that's how he ended up with it. It was a transfer uh, from Adam to to the devil, not from God to the devil. Mm, that's that's a really clear explanation, and it is clear in the scriptures it for is. sure. Yeah, you know, sort of in light of all that, where does man's freedom of will come into play in regards mm-hmm. to God's will? Sure. So one of the things that is evident again scripturally is that God has given choice to created things, including angels. Right? We know that a- angels chose to rebel. Lucifer went from the angel of light. Uh, 
to Satan because mm-hmm. of, of a choice to rebel. And other angels made the same choice. Adam had choice, and he chose also to rebel and to reject uh, God. And so we still all have that same decision point, that same choice. That is something that God, uh, for his reasons and purposes, um, has made clear that he, he honors that. He will not force upon you a choice, which is, again, another boundary of his power. And this is what he declares of himself. I, you have free choice. So if you freely choose to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, then the scriptures are clear that you now have been given the authority that Christ has. And Christ's authority completely trumps the devil's authority. Right. At, at any moment, at any time. Um, and, and we see it again in the Gospels, the records of Jesus Christ. I mean, he calmed the storm. He raised people from the dead. Death had no, had, did not have greater power than Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And all of that authority that he walked with at the time, he has now and then some because he, when he was resurrected, God gave him a name above every name. And in fact, he's, he's, he has authority over all things, both in heaven and earth. Well, that's quite a bit of a power and authority to invoke. Sure right? is. And so if we evo- invoke that, then we, we don't need to worry about the adversaries being the God of this world and having authority over the kings of the world because we are far above that with Christ. And with that freedom of will, God doesn't want robots. In other words, oh, no, he wants that's a, people. That's a decision, right? Yeah, it's a choice. It's each of us, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, Steve. Well, this next question I had written down, sort of, we've sort of already answered, but I'm going to read it anyway just see if we sort of pull something in. Additional, uh, so many today, so many sincere and well-meaning religious people attribute to God calamity, mm-hmm. sickness, death, or they say this tornado is God's judgment on this city. Well, the Bible states, like you said, that the devil is the God of this world, that he's the author of heartache, sickness, mm-hmm. and death, not God. From a biblical perspective, uh, why is the devil able to cause those types of problems on people? Well, again, I mean, I think he, 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 his, his ministry is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that ministry is facilitated by his authority and the power he has, which was transferred to him from Adam. So instead of using it the way God intended for Adam to use it, to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it for God, the adversary, God's arch enemy, uses it for his own purposes, which is stealing, killing, and destroying. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then he, he's, of course, aided by and abetted by human decisions that play right into this. So when human beings make decisions that are opposed to God, even unwitting ones, all they're doing is facilitating the, the adversary's purposes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so really, the, it talks, you know, when you read those uh, verses, I believe it was in Acts, and when, when Saul was called by Jesus Christ, you know, and then Saul recounts it later, to turn their eyes uh, from darkness to light and to, uh, to what does it say, to take them from the power of, of Satan, Satan unto, unto the power, power of, God. of God, right? So that's our mission to the world. Mm-hmm. We, we, are, we are calling people to come out from that power of darkness into the power of light, and it's a simple choice, right? If you, if you know that if I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord, and I believe God raised him from the dead, that I am transferred from the power of Satan, as it says in Colossians, from the exercised power of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Mm-hmm. That's a choice we can make. 
Yeah. Which is great. That's the good news of the gospel, right? It's a, it's great news. And so at that point, then calamity and darkness and all those bad things that happen on the planet Earth, they don't cease. Jesus Christ said, uh, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So and there is a day coming when all of this will be sorted out and fixed, right? And that's going to be a great day. But in the meantime, we have access to the power and authority that resides in Christ. And so for those who make that choice, that free will choice, um, they no longer have to be afraid mm-hmm. and, and, and be subject to the bondage of death and things like that. Right. That's awesome because we have a purpose in life based on what you've shared. Uh, we have the privilege to be able to minister mm-hmm. God's word to people. How could we ever have a boring life <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you've got the power and authority to use the name of Jesus Christ and to be able to walk in the fullness of what God's made available to us? I I know that you teach a seminar called The Purpose of the Ages. I've had the privilege to sit through that, though it's Mm -hmm. been a few years. Can you give the listeners just a brief overview of what that seminar is about? Sure. Let me try to take 12 hours and put it into (laughs) five five minutes. Well, you know, the the idea of it is is that we we start with um, kind of an exposition of the greatness of God as seen in the things that he has made. In, in Romans chapter 1, he says that by the things that he made, his divine attributes are clearly seen. And then, then he goes on to say, therefore, uh, there is no excuse. And I've always thought of that as a very powerful verse that the God of the universe would have in the Bible and authored and written down by revelation that the things that I made clearly declare and and make me evident my divine attributes. So there is no one who can say, I had no knowledge of you, God. And that has fascinated me for many years. And so I thought, well, let's let's look at the things that he made. And so we start with uh, a, a view, an overview of things about cosmology. We'll get into the Big Bang Theory. Um, which many people in the Christian world uh, mistakenly associate with the evolutionary theory and so kind of toss it out. And yet all the data that that God has made able for man to see, in other words, it's amazing that the observation ability, observability of, of the things that God made is just amazing, right? Um, how far we can see back in time and how far out into the universe. And all the data that's been collected through all the scientific inquiry has culminated in in a, uh, a pretty hard conclusion that it actually troubles scientists because of its mm-hmm. spiritual implications that the, the universe had a beginning. Well, isn't that amazing? The first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God right. created the heavens and the earth. And the scientific data absolutely validate that, mm-hmm. that amazing statement. Now, scientists may not attribute to the beginning the beginning to God, because they can't go that far. But nonetheless, the data show, very declare very evidently that there was a beginning, mm-hmm. you know, which aligns with what God says. And if you take it down to the, the cellular level and the, even the subcellular into the atomic and subatomic level, there's equal amazing evidence of, of God's handiwork. And so we spent some time with that, and, and really it's the idea is this is the God with whom we have to do. This is how awesome and how great he is. But with all of this majesty that we see in the things that he made, that really wasn't the purpose behind what he did. He declares that his purpose of all ages was that we would be capable of having oneness with him, Hmm. that he would have 
mankind and he would have people with whom he could have intimate fellowship and oneness and that we could then demonstrate to the world you know God's attributes through our lives that go way beyond the things that are made which even with those people have no excuse to say there is no God but how much more when Jesus Christ who modeled a human being in in its oneness with God he said he said it's so evident by the things that I do and the things that I say in my life that if you've seen me you've seen the father mm-hmm. so our purpose now the purpose of all the ages is that we too would live our lives in such a way and allow God to transform us in such a way that we could say to someone if you've seen me you've seen the father and now I know that sounds to most of us it sounds like yeah right yeah, that's a little crazy but that's the calling mm-hmm. that we are supposed to walk worthy of. And so there must be a pathway, a vehicle to get there. And so the purpose of the ages is to help people see that, that pathway, that there is a way to come to that point. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, to think that we, as God's children, are the purpose of the ages. And I think there's a verse in Ephesians chapter 2 where it says that God will put his people on display for all eternity to show how great he is his kindness yeah right? his his exceeding great kindness is uh is exhibited in us which we all chuckle at because the angels are like wow look at those people god must be really kind <laughs> right to afford them such a great life and uh, and such goodness oh what an what an awesome life and privilege we have to be yeah. children of the one true god yeah uh, sort of to wrap things up here is there something in your heart and life that God's been working recently that mm-hmm. you would like to share with the listeners? Just what God's been working on your heart of what the need might be within the body, within those, within our sphere of listening and so forth. Well, there's there's probably a number of things, but uh, I guess what comes to mind more than anything is um, in this call to being one with God, and in his uh, amazing, you know, God has foreknowledge, which is, is quite, uh, if you think about that, it's quite profound that he knows, he says he knows our end before the beginning. He says he, he knew us before we were in our mother's womb. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He has had his eye on each individual human being from, from before they were conceived. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is an attribute of his foreknowledge. So in that foreknowledge, he sees each of us individually, and he, he has given us that freedom of choice we talked about earlier. But when we choose to accept Jesus Christ, and we choose to, to as Jesus Christ said, to give up our life to have it. If you want to have life, you have to first give yours up. Mm-hmm. And so we surrender, so to speak, the authority over our own life, and we, we give it to our Lord Jesus Christ to direct our steps in our hearts. Then we enter into what God has said are his prepared works for us, the things he prepared for us before we ever even confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. And so when you think about that, Greg, I mean, at any moment in our lives, and it doesn't matter what happened five seconds ago, five years ago, 50 years ago, you know, people get caught up with their past. Uh, But God's forgiveness is always there in Christ, right? Constantly. So at any given moment, if we seek God and we say, we seek his face and we say, what is it you would have me to do? He has a work prepared for us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's within the constraints of our capacity, mentally, physically, our lives. He knows us. And there is, no matter what our constraints might be, there is always a work that he has prepared for us to walk in. And, and ima- I, I say to people, imagine if 
every member of the body of Christ. There's somewhere, estimates are around two to two and a half billion Christians on the planet. And by the way, it's the fastest growing so-called religion mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, Christianity is exploding in places around the world, not so much in the States. But, but imagine if all of those members of the body of Christ all entered in, and, and in a moment they all did the works God prepared for them to do. Mm-hmm. And what would that look like? Well, I think it would look a little bit like what he had said to Adam, to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Yeah. Uh, because you know, the adversary would have very little room to operate mm-hmm. if all members of the body of Christ were doing the works God prepared for them to do. That's awesome. That's very encouraging. That yeah. that light that we would manifest in living the word would dispel the darkness. Yeah. And uh, it would be a dramatic change in what we see today. Well, Steve, um, you have the Purpose of the Ages seminar. Um, right now you've been involved the last couple of years in the Values Driven Leadership Ph.D. program at Benedictine University, and I know you've taught at various seminars around the country also on leadership. Mm-hmm. If someone wanted to get a hold of you to have them, have you come speak at their church or their, their small group Bible study, what would you recommend to be the best way? Or I think the, probably the easiest way, the best way is just to uh, maybe write an email to you at the website. Okay, we can do that. And let them know that they want to reach me and how to reach them. Mm-hmm. I could That'd forward that off to yeah. you. No, I'd, I'd welcome that, sure. Okay, the, the website email would be info at thesolutionradioshow.com. Okay. Thank Excellent. you, Steve. I well, really appreciate you, your time today. Thanks very much. Alrighty. God bless you. God bless you.
of one body. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor with the Lord. We're members of one body. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor with the Lord. The fields are ripe and ready, but the laborers are few. So let us walk in true compassion. Let us spread the gospel news. The fields are ripe and ready. Let us pray the Lord above, and He will send us hungry hearts. We will teach them of His love. We will teach them of God's love. For we're members of one body. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor with the Lord. We're members of one body. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor with the Lord. There was only one price. There is only one head. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one me. There is only one you. And we're filled with all God's fullness. And there's much for us to do. So every father, every mother, every son, and every daughter. Some will water, but the Lord, He makes it grow. And we're members of one body. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor with the Lord. We're members of one body. Let us labor with the Lord. Let us labor of one body let us labor with the lord let us labor with the lord let us labor with the lord we're members of one body let us labor with the lord let us labor with the lord let us labor There was only one price. There is only one head. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today on The Solution. And uh, thank you to Steve Carter for sharing his heart and life with us today. All of the Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com where you may re-listen at your convenience. There's also links on the website, 
to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website, there's a page for upcoming events. Currently listed are links to the Believer's East Coast Weekend. That's in Maryland, July 3rd through the 5th. And then there's going to be a Young Believers, 20s and 30s only. So I guess that doesn't include me. Weekend in God's Word in Naperville, Illinois, July 24th through the 26th. If you'd like your event listed, send the information to info at thesolutionradioshow.com. A reminder that the praise line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is 844-705-3410. We will play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. Please keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. We're currently looking into expanding the broadcast to radio stations in both Colorado Springs and Las Vegas. And due to the wonders of modern technology, we know that we have listeners all throughout the United States. And some of the countries around the world that do listen are the Netherlands, England, France, Norway, Ireland, Switzerland, and the United Arab Emirates. I've also got two pamphlets available, You Are Righteous Now and The Solution. If you send me your mailing address, I'll send you one free of charge. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Thank you to our engineer and production support, Bill Albecker. Have an awesome rest of the day. God bless you. You are God's best. You're tuned to The Big One, AM 1280, WBIG, Aurora, Naperville.